This is Sarah Lemon, author of the Holdish blog and food writer for the Mail Tribune newspaper in Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. You can find it online at mailtribune.com forward slash podcasts and on my blog, The Whole Dish at mailtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. My most recent a la carte column, and those also run under the name The Whole Dish, pitted pumpkin, this sort of season's icon, against butternut squash, which in reality flavors many more of our seasonal dishes than some people may realize. In fact, I sort of outed Libby's canned pumpkin puree as not being pumpkin at all, and didn't really hide this fact. It's been reported by a number of news organizations over the years. It's actually a proprietary strain of squash, sort of a tan-skinned squash, whose most close relative is actually butternut squash. In fact, a lot of recipes that are maybe titled pumpkin often call for butternut squash and chefs and professional cooks are fond of saying that that particular squash is sweeter and denser and just produces an overall better product when we think of that squashy or what many people consider pumpkin-like flavor. Of course, if you are going to cook with pumpkins, it's almost a certainty that your dish is not going to turn out unless you are choosing what are called sugar or pie pumpkins or a type suited for cooking. The jack-o'-lanterns that we see in the big bins outside of grocery stores this time of year are for carving only. They will not work in the kitchen um, for anything other than decor. They just don't really have a culinary use. But there are several other pumpkin varieties out there besides the sugar or pie pumpkin. There's the Gerardale, and it's a blue pumpkin that has golden orange flesh that's fine textured and sweet. It is good in pies and can be versatile in soups and stews. The Lakota is a pear-shaped pumpkin with crimson orange flesh that's delicious when raw. You can grate it in salads or a slaw, but it's also good in chili. And I happen to think that squashes go in chilies and Latin-type foods. I mean, that part of the world is where squashes originate after all. There's a pumpkin called a peanut pumpkin, and its exterior looks like a peanut shell. It's sort of pink-skinned, lighter in, in density than most other pumpkins, but it's mild and fluffy when baked and can be eaten straight out of the oven. It's also good for soups and stews and baked with pot roast. There's a variety called cow and it's one of the creamiest pumpkins with excellent flavor. It's a large variety and does work well in pies, puddings, and soups. And there's the Caribbean, which has firm yellowish-orange flesh. Pumpkin actually is traditional in a lot of Caribbean dishes, which I didn't know until fairly recently. But saute this one with scallops in a white wine sauce and serve over buttered noodles. It's also often incorporated into rice in dishes from islands in the Caribbean. There's plenty of other squash out there. I've already been experimenting with spaghetti squash. I love to cook that and actually combine it with 
spaghetti, cooked spaghetti in a version of pasta carbonara for my family. I've been enjoying kaboka squash, which has an edible rind. And I've been slicing that and incorporating it into coconut milk, Thai style curries, and also ramen and udon dishes. Red curry squash is a nice one. I think particularly, I have one in my pantry right now for soups and stews or to just eat roasted. Buttercups are really nice little strain that I've grown in my garden before. It's perfect for stuffing. It's just a little, little tiny squash. Stuff it with sausage or some other kind of meat. I've even done it with tempeh, curry seasoned tempeh, or go sweet with some apples and nuts and some dried cranberries or cherries. The pink lady squash is similar to the red curry and buttercup varieties. It's yellow orange and has a smooth texture and it's a good alternative to butternut squash in pureed soups. It's flavorful and light when baked and it's also good in pies, bread, and muffins. Speaking of muffins, I have been meaning to try a muffin recipe for a few years now featuring butternut squash and I don't think I'm going to hesitate any longer on this. I have some butternut squash in the fridge that's ready to go. And this one would be perfect as sort of a Halloween party treat. With butternut squash, you could call it pumpkin, but it comes from one of my favorite cookbooks where pumpkin isn't such a seasonal icon, and that's in Britain. This is written by Jamie Oliver. It's Jamie at Home, Cook Your Way to the Good Life. And this is his cookbook that's organized into seasons, published in 2007. I have prepared a number of the recipes from this book, and they're all really delicious. Sometimes they take a little bit of flexibility in substituting some ingredients that maybe are more common in Britain than they are in the United States. There's also some measurements that aren't exactly the same. There's weights for some of the quantities here instead of like cups. Of course, anyone who bakes professionally or is an avid baker will tell you weighing is the only way to go when it comes to your dry ingredients. I have made some conversions here to get at pretty much the same quantity. But if you have a kitchen scale, and I do, this would be a great recipe to use it. Butternut squash muffins with a frosty top. And this allows you to use a fresh butternut squash that you have on hand rather than canned or pre-prepared. Granted, butternut squash has just been this darling of the food world for more than a decade. It's become so popular that it's now peeled, seeded, and diced, and ready to go in clamshell containers and grocers' refrigerator sections. It's one of the vegetables that you can see as zoodles or vegetable noodles, basically, which have been popular with gluten-free dieters and paleo dieters. It's a great vegetable for that in addition to zucchini, which is where that name comes from. But what I love about this recipe is you don't have to pre-roast the squash and mash it up like you might with a lot of other recipes. So this is super, super simple. All you have to do is seed the squash. You don't even have to peel it because it's finely chopped up in the food processor and the bits of skin are small enough that they soften nicely in the oven and are like really imperceptible in this batter. I mean, just giving it like a tiny bit of chew. This tastes a lot like carrot cake, according to the cookbook. 
and is a favorite with kids. It's got a nice lemony glaze topped off with a little bit of clementine zest, orange is seasonal, and you could even do calendula petals. The cookbook shows a picture with some lavender flowers, which I do have dried in my spice cabinet, but calendula would be really, really lovely on this. And of course, the main spice palette here is going to be that fall, cold weather combination of cinnamon, cloves, and vanilla that we all love so much this time of year. That sort of pumpkin spice flavor. You could use some pumpkin pie spice in this if you happen to have it on hand and you're a big fan of that tis the season. This is a recipe after all that you can adapt to your taste. It calls for walnuts, which you could substitute with another nut, maybe pecans, or leave those out if you have a nut-free household. And it also incorporates olive oil into the batter. But if you prefer a milder flavor, you could do avocado oil or grapeseed oil, certainly. This comes together really, really easily in the food processor where you start by chopping the squash. It makes 12 muffins and you'll need some paper liners for your muffin tin. Preheat the oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit you're going to need a little less than a pound of butternut squash. Again, leave the skin on, just take out the seeds and roughly chop it enough that it'll move around in your food processor. 350 grams of light brown sugar. That's a one and three quarter cups by my math approximately. Four large eggs, sea salt, 300 grams plain flour that's unsifted. That's all-purpose flour. That's about two and a half cups by my conversion. Two heaping teaspoons baking powder. The Brits still do use teaspoons and tablespoons. <laughs> a handful of walnuts. One teaspoon ground cinnamon. 175 milliliters of extra virgin olive oil, or again, substitute a more neutral flavor of your choice. That's about two-thirds cup. And for the frosting, you're going to need the zest of a clementine, the zest of a lemon, and juice from half the lemon. You're going to want to zest it first before you juice it. 140 milliliters of sour cream. That's about a heaping half cup. Two heaped tablespoons of confectioner sugar, powdered sugar that's sifted. And you can use lavender flowers or calendula petals, as I mentioned, for like an optional garnish. And you'll also need a vanilla pod which is split lengthwise and the seed scraped out. If you don't have a vanilla bean on hand, I do. And they're pretty widely available these days, including at Costco where I've purchased them. You could simply just use a splash of good quality vanilla extract. So start butternut squash muffins with a frosty top. And that'll happen after they've cooled. By putting all those chopped pieces of butternut squash in your food processor until they're finely chopped. Then add the 350 grams or about one and three quarter cup light brown sugar and crack in the eggs one at a time. That's a total of four. Add a pinch of salt and then add the 300 grams all-purpose flour. Again, that's about two and a half cups with the two heaping teaspoons of baking powder, the handful of walnuts, the teaspoon ground cinnamon, and the 175 milliliters of extra virgin olive oil or about two thirds cup of another neutral oil of your choice if you prefer. This is all moving around in the food processor. You can keep the motor running, but you may need to pause it at some point to scrape 
the mixture down the sides with a rubber spatula. You don't want to go crazy with this though. You kind of want it to just all combine, not really overwork all those ingredients. So the oven's preheated to 350 degrees. Fill the paper liners of your muffin tin with the cake mixture and bake in the preheated oven for 20 to 25 minutes. Check to see if they're cooked by sticking a wooden skewer toothpick down into the center. If it comes out clean, maybe just a few damp crumbs clinging to it, it's done. If it's sticky, if the batter kind of strings up a little bit, put it back in the oven and bake for a little while longer. Remove the pan from the oven and leave the muffins to cool on a wire rack. As soon as the muffins are in the oven, make this runny frosted topping that sort of drizzles down the sides a little bit, like very organically. So to do that, you put most of the clementine zest. You're leaving a few little strands for garnish. All of the lemon zest and the juice, that's just from half the lemon in a bowl. Add the 140 milliliters, or again, about a heaping half cup of sour cream, the two heaping tablespoons of powdered sugar, confectioner sugar, as it's also called, and either vanilla seeds scraped from a vanilla bean or just a splash of good quality vanilla extract. Mix that well. And then taste it and adjust it to your preference. You may want more lemon juice or maybe a little bit more vanilla. I might even be inclined to add just a tiny little splash of orange or lemon extract, which I happen to have on hand and I do like in baked goods. You want a balance of sweet and sour with this though. It's got the sour cream. It's got the lemon juice. You don't want it to be like full on sour, full on sweet. So use your judgment. And then when you've got it where you like it, put it until the fridge, until the cakes have cooled and then spoon it on top of the cakes. Again, it sort of drizzles nicely down over the edges. Sprinkle a little bit of the clementine zest over it. Maybe lavender flowers if you have those, calendula petals. You could even do a few little black candy sprinkles in keeping with Halloween if that's when you wanted to serve these. And these are butternut squash muffins with a frosty top. You can find more recipes for butternut squash and more about one of fall's favorite flavors in my most recent food section column for the Meal Tribune. Those also run under the name The Whole Dish. And that was published on October 21st under the headline, Butternut is an Autumn Star. There's a lovely recipe with that column for a pumpkin or butternut squash soup with bacon and apple relish and some toasted pumpkin seeds if you happen to have those from the squash itself. That's available at mealtribune.com forward slash lifestyle forward slash the hyphen whole hyphen dish. Thanks for listening to and reading The Whole Dish.